Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The premise of this particular message, Down to Earth, is because that's exactly what Jesus did at Christmas time. That's why we, this is the reason the season. Uh, this is the reason of the season. We are celebrating the, uh, the, um, the uh, what am I trying to say? Jesus, the fact that Jesus came down to earth. And He not only came down to earth, but He came down to earth in a down to earth way. He came as a babe in a manger, which I think is absolutely amazing. Jesus, God Himself entrusted Him into the hands of a humble family with humble beginnings in a humble part of the world. And I believe the reason He did that is that He might be able to relate to you and relate to to me, And I'm so grateful that God did what He did the way He did it because it means every one of us can have access into the grace of God, which I think is absolutely incredible. Amen? Amen. And so in this short series that we're doing in the lead up to Christmas, my heart and desire is that we really would appreciate Jesus all the more. And as a result of appreciating Jesus all the more, we would understand who He is better and we would understand what He has done for us more. You see, prior to Jesus Christ coming to planet Earth, the Earth was ruled by God's three major officers. God loved the Earth and so He put certain people on planet Earth to bring about His presence. And they were prophets, priests and kings. Prophets, priests and kings. And you can read about some of these prophets in the Old Testament. You'll see people like Samuel and Nathan and people like Isaiah. They were prophets who represented God here on earth. Basically, they represented God before man. Not only was it the office of prophets, but there was the office of priests. And Aaron, who was Moses' brother, he was an Old Testament priest. And he was the one who represented the people before God. This is how God spoke through the people in the Old Testament. And not only did He have prophets and priests, but He also had kings. He gave people the ability to rule as representatives of God here on earth. And so there was the voice of God, there was the ministry of God, and there was the rulership of God through these three offices. And as good as that was under the Old Covenant, it was incomplete. And that's why Jesus Christ came. His ministry was to fulfil those three offices in a complete and fulfilling way. Are you with me tonight? Is this making sense? And so the uh, ministry of Jesus was to fulfil those three roles. The roles of a prophet, of a priest and of a king. And as a prophet, Jesus revealed God to us. As a priest, He reconciles us to God. And as a king, He reigns as God over us. This was the role of Jesus. Jesus is the supreme agent sent to rescue humanity. He is the triple cure. He is the one who came down in order to lift us up. I hope and pray that at the end of this series, we would have a greater love for Jesus than we've had in a long, long time. Amen. And so today we want to look at the role of Jesus as prophet. We want to look at the difference that that role makes in our lives and how it affects us. You see, in the Old Testament, a prophet was one who spoke to God or spoke to the people 
on behalf of God. In other words, He was an agent of revelation. And when you read the Old Testament, you will see often prophets start uh, their, their spear with this thought, thus saith the Lord. In other words, they were entrusted with the thought of God. And God entrusted them to bring God's Word to the people. Thus saith the Lord. It wasn't based upon the pizza they ate the night before. It wasn't based upon a feeling. It was based upon the Word Himself, God Himself. And these prophets did a few things. They addressed the people's sin. In other words, they came as bearers of bad news which doesn't seem like a good thing, but it's important that we understand the bad news because the good news only gets good when we understand the bad news. And so prophets often started with the bad news. And we see that Isaiah was one of those prophets who would speak the Word of God, but often he would start from a negative point of view. And in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4, we read, he says, Woe to you sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, Children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spawned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. I mean, this is pretty harsh words, but they are necessary words because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you know, often we think we're doing better than we are because we compare ourselves to someone who's doing worse than we are. And we think, well, I'm better than Him. But the measuring stick is not other people. The measuring stick is God Himself. And He's perfect in every way. And when we weigh ourselves up against God, we fall short of His perfection. Let's be honest, we don't even weigh up or measure up to our own standards, let alone the standard of God. And so the Bible says that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and we're all in need of a Saviour. And the second role of the prophet is that he calls people to repentance. In other words, he brings a solution to the problem. And again, in Isaiah, we read in chapter 1, verse 18, he says, come now, let us settle the matter. Let us settle the matter. That, that, that's the desire of God, that we would actually settle where we are at. And I'm trusting and praying that we would have a, a, in our hearts the ability to settle where we're at and come to God. There's this invitation to come to Him. That's what repentance, uh, repentance means. It means to turn around and come back to God. That's simply what repentance means. It means we were travelling one direction and that direction was getting us nowhere. It was getting us further and further away from God. But repentance is us turning around and coming back to Him. And prophets were used as a voice piece to say, you're sinners and you need to repent and turn around and come back to Him. And the good news is, the other role of the prophets is that they bring good news. They pronounce God's forgiveness. They proclaim good news. Again, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse one to two, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort. This is the heart behind those harsh words that we would find comfort when we recognise, man, we're doing something wrong. And when we turn around and come back to God and receive His comfort. God wants every one of us to receive His comfort, to receive His hope, to receive His peace, to receive His joy. He wants us to be able to receive the good news of what the Bible calls reconciliation. Are you with me? And how does that happen? Because our sins have been paid for. 
God has been able to forgive us because of the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And the good news is that though this was the role of the prophets under the Old Testament, Jesus was not only a prophet, but He was the prophet. He was the supreme prophet. He was the superior prophet. And in Hebrews chapter 1, we read Dan McGaw. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Get this. But in the last days, and we are living in those last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He appointed the heir of all things and through Him also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance, I love this, of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things, how? By His powerful Word. Isn't this amazing? He was different to other prophets in that He was superior to all the other prophets. And I wanna highlight three things very quickly that made Jesus different than all the other prophets. The first one is simply that He not only proclaimed the Word, but He was the Word. He not only proclaimed the Word, all the Old Testament prophets, they proclaimed the Word, but Jesus not only proclaimed the Word, He was the Word. In 1 John, or sorry, John chapter one, verse one, we read, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then it says in John chapter one, verse 14, and the Word became flesh. I love this thought, the Word became flesh. In other words, Jesus showed us how to flesh out the Word of God. If you wanna know how to flesh out the Word of God, all you gotta do is look to the life of Jesus. Jesus showed us what God meant when He spoke His Word. Everything that's in God's Word is seen in the life of Jesus. If you wanna know what forgiveness looks like, you don't need to look any further than the life of Jesus. When Jesus hung upon the cross and people were mocking Him and ridiculing Him and jeering Him, He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't know about you, but this is a phenomenal thought. What does forgiveness look like? It looks like Jesus on the cross saying, forgive them. These people, they don't know what they're doing. Isn't that an amazing thing? He's a beautiful God who loves us dearly. He showed us what love looks like. You know, the Bible says that Jesus records that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. One of the ways He demonstrated His love for us in the way He served us. And I love this notion that Jesus could have come down from the cross and saved Himself. In actual fact, that was what people challenged Him to do. They said, you who say you can save others, why don't you come off the cross and save yourself? And the reality is He could have. But He chose to stay on the cross. Why? So that you and I could experience salvation. What does love look like? It it, it means doing what you don't wanna do for the sake of others. And no one modelled that more than Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. He not only spoke the Word, He was the Word. Secondly, He not only was the object of our prophecy, but He was the subject of prophecy. In other words, Jesus was the object of prophecy in that people uh, were longing for a Messiah. Jesus was the object of the prophecy. We read in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born. This was written some 700 years before the Messiah came. And there were many other prophets who declared there is one to come, there is a Messiah to come. He was the object of prophecy. 
But Jesus was not only the object of prophecy, He was the subject. He was the one who came and, and, and showed Himself to the world. He was the one who was saying, the one you've prophesied about, the one you're waiting for, I am He. Yeah. So He was not only the object, but He was also the subject. And we see that on many, many times. And people who watched on recognise that actually this is not just a good man, this is a God man. When Jesus finished feeding the 5,000, we read in John chapter 6, verse 14, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. This was a revelation the people had as they watched on seeing the miracles being performed. They realised He wasn't just a good man, He was a God man. He wasn't just a prophet, He was the prophet. Again, when he went into this town of Nan and this widow's son had uh, been uh, killed. Can you think about that? She's a widow, which means she's already lost her husband. And now she's lost her son. There's not much to live for when you've lost your husband. Now you've lost your son. This is a bad day for her. Come on, let's not just read over the Bible. Oh yeah, that widow's son died. Yeah, yeah. No, no, think about that. There's a lot of loss in one's life. And she's distraught. She's had enough. She's finished. Can you imagine all the mums in the room? Can you imagine that? You've lost your husband. You've lost your son. And there's this procession just with no hope, no life. And there's a collision with one procession, with another procession, because coming towards them was a procession with Jesus at the head of it. And there's dust and there's colour and there's life. And Jesus comes head on with this other procession. One is being led by a dead man. One is being led by a live man. One is full of no hope. One is full of hope. And Jesus touches the coffin that's housing this dead son and He rises up. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of miracles. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 16, it says, Fear sees them all and they glorify God. Isn't it amazing? They're afraid and yet they glorify God. Have you ever been scared but excited? Have you ever felt God say to do something and you're excited about it, but you're terrified about it? That's what's going on here. They're like, wow, who is this? But it's awesome. My son lives, but man, what is going on? And it says, great fear sees them. And they said, glory to God saying, a great prophet has risen among us. This is an amazing thing. On another occasion, Jesus asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And what did they say? They started listing off all the prophets. And it was only Peter, under divine unction of the Holy Spirit, that said, no, 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 you're not a prophet. You're the prophet. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. You're not like all those other guys. You are the one we've been waiting for. And, Peter, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. It's amazing. You would think with Jesus before people, that everyone would be enamoured with the great prophet. And yet, sadly, not everyone received Jesus as a prophet. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 57, we, we read something that's, I think, a warning for all of us. Because some people took offence at Jesus. And Jesus Himself said, a prophet, which is Jesus acknowledging Himself to be a prophet. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honour except in his hometown. I want you to think about that for a moment. Isn't it funny that when you get to know someone, you get to be quite familiar with them? 
And the trouble is with familiarity, it can breed contempt. And we can start taking one another for granted. And the people who grew up in the same town that Jesus was raised, couldn't receive him as a great prophet. Why? Because they knew who he was. They knew his brothers, they knew his sisters, they knew his mum, they knew his dad. They, they, they knew too much about him and they took him for granted. And as a result, Jesus couldn't do many miracles. He could do miracles, but he couldn't do them there. Why? Because of their lack of faith and their inability to receive him for who he is. And I think the challenge to us and the warning to us is this, let's not get familiar when it comes to Jesus. You know, this season of lockdown has given us opportunity to take some time out, to spend some time with our family, which I think is all good. I think is much needed and all good. But I think some people have got too familiar now and think, you know what, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to honour God. I don't need to give money. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. And I think we've got to retake, uh, re, take a restock of our view of who Jesus is and how grateful we are of what He's done for us in our lives. Are you with me today? Not only was He all those things, and this is, this is my favourite point right now, He not only informed the people, but He also transformed the people. You see, the Old Testament prophets, as good as they were, though they could point out your sin, they couldn't actually help you with their sin. And this is the unfortunate thing about the law and the prophets under the Old Testament. The law could tell you what to do and what not to do. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not. There was lots of thou shalt nots. If you want to be like God, don't do these things. The trouble is it couldn't help us. It could just point out what we weren't good at, where we were struggling. And the prophets likewise, they could tell us where we were going wrong, but they couldn't actually help us. And that's why Jesus came to be able to help us. You know, you might look into a mirror and see you're dirty. A mirror can reveal that you are dirty. A, a mirror can reveal that you've got a problem, but the mirror can't actually help you. It can, it can reveal that, wow, you've you, you got all dirt on your face. But it's only a shower. It's only water that can actually do something about the dirt that's on your body. The mirror can only reveal what's there. And Jesus came not only to inform, but also to transform. He came not only to reveal, but also to help. And that's why I'm so grateful for Jesus that He enabled me and you to do what we otherwise could not do in our own strength. He transforms us. And not only does He transform us, the transformation is ongoing. We read in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know that unveiled faces is a, is a, is a reference to the Old Testament prophet Moses, who when he was in the presence of God had to put a veil over his face. And Paul says, ah, in the New Testament, because of the prophet, Jesus, we can go to God the Father with our faces unveiled. We can approach the throne room of grace with great confidence, with great hope, with great joy and with great peace. 
Such is the nature of our great prophet who not only informs us, but he also transforms us. And as a result of all these things, there's some things I would love for us to take from that today. As the band come up and join me, I think we can learn a few things and implement a few things. Those who know me know that I'm very practical in, in, in whatever I do. And there should always be an application. Every time I preach, I want it to be biblical, practical and inspirational. I want to inspire you to put the Word of God into practice. So what's the application point from this today? Well, I trust and pray that through us knowing that He's not just a prophet, He's the prophet who fulfills a role in our lives that we could not do in our own strength. I would trust and pray that as a result, we would adore Him. We sing that Christmas carol, O come, let us adore Him. The song is not, O come, let us ignore Him. It's, O come, let us adore Him. I pray this Christmas season, we would adore Him and have a greater appreciation for all that He is and all that He's done for us. That this Christmas, we would guard our heart against familiarity. Let's not become so familiar with Jesus that we treat Him with contempt but that we adore Him. Secondly, that we would listen to Him. The prophets of old were sent to speak and it was the responsibility of the people to listen. Unfortunately, many of them did not listen. But the challenge for us and the application point is that we would adore Him and we would listen to Him. Why? Because there's lots of voices out there. There's lots of opinions out there. There's lots of perspectives out there. And the challenge is for us to make the voice of Jesus, the voice of God, louder than all those other voices. You know those voices we have? Not just people, but the voices in our head. Do you know that we have a little thing called self-talk? All the psychologists and wannabe psychologists know all about this. And I'm told that our self-talk operates at about 1,200 words per minute. That's a lot of words. The words we speak audibly come out at 300 words a minute, which means there's a conversation. Whenever we're talking, there's a conversation in our heads that's happening four times more than what we're saying. That's a lot of thought. That's a lot of opinions. That's a lot of distractions. And knowing that Jesus is not only a prophet, but He's the prophet. And that's the voice that's worth listening to. You'll always get a lot of opinions out there. There'll always be a lot of voices, but listen to the voice of Jesus. And that's why for me, it's so important that we are people and studiers of the Word of God. I don't read the Bible because I'm a pastor, although it certainly helps, but I read it because I'm a Christian. I read the Bible because I'm a Christian. And all Christ, if you're a Christian to be in Christ, we should desire to read His Word. Why? Because we wanna know His heart. We wanna know His thoughts. We wanna know His perspective on certain things. The third thing I simply say is follow Him. Application point number three is follow Him. We need to follow His example. In other words, we need to put Him in the centre of all of our decisions. We need to put Him in the centre of our families. We need to put Him in the centre of our homes. Whatever it is that we do, we need to make Him the centre. Again, I don't go to church because I'm, a Christ, uh, because I'm a pastor. I go to church because I'm a Christian. You say, well, you don't have to go to, a Christian to, be a, uh, you don't have to, go to church to be a Christian. Can we just park that argument to one side and say, do you wanna be more like Jesus? What's the example that Jesus set? What's the example that this great prophet set to us? Well, we know that on the Sabbath, he went to the temple as was his custom. That means every Saturday, 
he went to church. Every Saturday, he went to church. Now let's think about it. If there's one person who didn't need church, it's Jesus. So if someone who doesn't need to go to church goes to church, I have to ask myself this question, why does he go to church? Because he's setting us an example to follow. God wants us in church to follow. Online has been a great tool in a COVID lockdown season, but it's not, a repl- it's not to replace the gathering together of the saints. The writer of Hebrews said, let's not neglect the, uh, the gathering together. There are some things that we've had to do in lockdown that have helped us get through that season. But for the most part, we're through that season and wherever we can gather together, we should prioritise gathering together. Not because I want you here, although I, I miss you when you're not here, but it's about following the example of Jesus. If you've never been baptised, I would say the same thing. Follow the example of Jesus. Jesus was baptised and yet if there was ever a person who did not need to be baptised, it was Jesus. You know, the whole illustration of baptism is about dying to your sins and coming up in new life. Jesus never sinned. So Jesus didn't need to be baptised and yet He was baptised. Again, ask the question, why did He get baptised? To set an example for us of what to do. Maybe you were sprinkled as a baby. Do you know sprinkling was something like online church? It was something that took place because certain people were not able to get into the water. There was a reason behind sprinkling. It wasn't to replace baptism. The word baptism baptism actually means to dip into, to immerse, to be fully wet. And it's amazing, some of these seasons where where, um, alternatives are given become the new normal. Online church is not the new normal church. Sprinkling is not the new normal. Now again, if that's where you've been living, that's fine. But let's use this new revelation and put it into practice. And if you haven't been baptised, I say, hey, let Pastor Ash know, let the team know, and we'd love to see you get baptised. Why? Because Jesus did. Not because it's what I want you to do. Same with tithing, giving of our finances. You know, Jesus had some harsh things to say to the religious people. He said, to the, he said this, when it came to the religious people, He says, these religious people, they give a tithe, They do this and they do that. He says, but they've neglected the more important things like love, justice and mercy. At no stage did Jesus ever say, don't give. When it came to the tithe, when it came to giving, Jesus said, do that, but don't neglect love, justice and mercy. The only time Jesus ever mentioned tithing was actually do it. So so why do we do these things? Because Jesus said, and we should listen to Him and we should follow His example. See, some people get cynical and say, oh, you're saying that because you're pastor. I'm not. I'm saying because Jesus said it. My role as a pastor and our role as Christians is to bring the Word of God, not our preference, not our thoughts, not what we want, not how it may benefit us. But what did Jesus say? Let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to what Jesus said. And lastly, and it's really important, and there's never a better time to do this fourth point, and that is proclaim Him. Proclaiming Him has never been easier than at Christmas time. There are more people who are open to the Gospel at Christmas time than any other time. On the 20th of December, we're having two carols services. 
It's our third option of carols this year. Normally we do a big uh, a, a production. We were unable to do that this year. We thought, you know what? We're gonna take it outside because of COVID and we're gonna do a carol service outside. That got taken off the table. So okay, we'll bring our carol service because too much work had gone into it. We're bringing that inside. And so this is our third bite of the cherry. But you know what? It's gonna be powerful. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be wonderful. And we have an opportunity to proclaim Him. We have an opportunity to invite people to church. You might have invited them last year and they said no. I'd say invite them again. You may have invited them 10 times. I'd say invite them again. Let's proclaim Jesus, particularly in this season at Christmas. Why? Because it makes it just a little bit easier to talk about Jesus. What I love about Christmas box is it's a nice, easy entry to what we do as a church. Some people aren't ready for Jesus, but man, a random act of kindness, doing good deeds, people say, tell me more. So talk to them about Christmas box. The last thing I want you to do, church, is, 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 is shove religion down people's throats. We don't, we don't need that. But we wanna showcase the kindness. Had a young man visit our church for the first time this morning because we had a conversation of which I never mentioned Jesus, I never mentioned the church. But he told us he was sad and I just followed up with a text saying, are you okay today? And that led to him being in church. Come on, I, I look at the life of Jesus and he just, he just showcased kindness. He showcased interest. Jesus was with the people and we have an incredible opportunity this Christmas to be with people and showcase His love and His kindness. You stand with me this, uh, this evening. I was hoping to do it quicker than that. I started rushing. I thought, slow down, Tony. I'm just going to sit here in this. So if you're going to do it, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Isn't that right, Dan? That's... If some of you heard that message twice because you came this morning because you weren't aware that this was going to be a repeat service again, I'm sorry, but we tried our best. We did put in an email. I don't know if you read it or not, but hopefully next week will be a little bit different. The plan was to have a youth takeover. This time next week, we're looking at having a youth takeover. That was the plan. I don't know if we can do it, but that's the plan. That's the plan. So we'll, 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 if, you're, if you're on the youth team, sing. What would Jesus do? He would say yes. Anyway, anyway. Father, thank you for giving us Jesus. Jesus, thank you for showing us what the Father's like. He's not distant, He's not standoffish. He's not frustrated, He's not miserable, He's not bitter, He's not twisted. He's beautiful, wonderful, and He loves this world. Thank you. Thank you for showcasing that. Thank you for not coming down off that cross when you could have. Thank you for showing us what love looks like. Thank you for showing us what forgiveness looks like. Thank you for showing us what kindness looks like. Thank you for showing us what generosity looks like. Thank you for showing us what a commitment to a local church looks like. 
Thank You for showing us what discipleship and discipline looks like. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You for giving us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank You for pointing us to Jesus, showcasing Jesus, empowering us to live a life for Jesus. Thank You. Thank You. And I pray as we go into this working week, every person who's gathered here tonight would go with a spring in their step, a smile on their face, joy in their heart. Holy Spirit, won't You empower Your people afresh tonight to live for You. I pray that we might adore You, that we might listen to You, that we might follow You, that we might proclaim You this Christmas in Jesus' mighty Name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.